in a story involving adventure, survival, and ultimately faith, the main character of the novel Life of Pi is stranded on a life raft with a hyena, an orangutan, an injured zebra, and a 450-pound Bengal tiger named Richard Parker. Pai Patel, the 16-year-old son of a zookeeper, grew up in his native India trying on various faiths for size, attracting, as he says, religions the way a dog attracts fleas. His curious mind led him to make the leap from his native Hinduism to Christianity and Islam, all three of which he practiced with joyous abandon. While drifting endlessly on the sea, Pai reflects on a conversation with Father Martin, a Roman Catholic priest, about the crucifixion. Pai thinks to himself, that a God should put up with adversity I could understand. The gods of Hinduism face their fair share of thieves, bullies, kidnappers, and usurpers. But humiliation? Death? I couldn't imagine Lord Krishna consenting to be stripped naked, whipped, mocked, dragged through the streets, and to top it off, crucified, and at the hands of mere humans to boot. I'd never heard of a Hindu god dying. Divinity should not be blighted by death. It's wrong. It was wrong of this Christian god to let his son die. That is tantamount to letting a part of himself die. For if the son is to die, it cannot be fake. If God on the cross is God shamming a human tragedy, it turns the passion of Christ into the farce of Christ. The death of the son must be real. Father Martin assured me that it was. But once a dead God, always a dead God, even resurrected. The son must have the taste of death forever in his mouth. The Trinity must be tainted by it. There must be a certain stench at the right hand of God the Father. The horror must be real. Why would God wish that upon himself? Why not leave death to the mortals? Why make what is beautiful dirty? Spoil what is perfect? Love. 
That was Father Martin's answer. Pi sounds a little bit like Peter in today's gospel. We might wonder what Jesus would have said to Pi if he'd been having this conversation with Jesus instead of with Father Martin. We might wonder if Jesus would have responded the same way to Pi as he did to Peter. Because actually, neither Pi nor Peter can quite believe that suffering, rejection, and death could possibly be a part of Jesus' life story. We don't know what Peter actually said, only that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus' response is startling. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. That's a little rough, don't you think? It can't have been easy to hear your friend say that he was going to suffer and die. God forbid, Peter might say. What kind of God would suffer and die for humans, we hear Pi say? Love. Love was the answer Father Martin gave. What Peter's response was after Jesus turned and rebuked him, Mark doesn't tell us. Rather, we are told that Jesus called the crowd together along with his disciples and began to talk about taking up their cross and following him. The people in Jesus' time would have been all too familiar with the cross that was used by the Romans for executions. But what Jesus is talking about is something different. He's talking about the cost of discipleship. The cross Jesus talks about is what sets apart those who want to be his followers from that part of the world that only focuses on vainglory, selfishness, oppression, and greed. Jesus reminds us that those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. If we are serious, really serious about being Jesus' disciples, then my friends, we will lose our lives. Jesus doesn't seem to be saying here that those who want to save their life might lose it, might have to give up something rather crucial. He's saying, lose it. He's saying that if we're serious, life will be different. We won't fit into the world in the same way. But isn't that odd? We look around. We see people we consider to be very good people, very godly people, looking 
very normal. They work and play and pray and move about in society quite normally. They seem to fit. For the most part, we do the same. We work and play and pray and move about in society quite normally. We seem to fit. Are we really in danger of having the Son of Man be ashamed of us when he comes in the glory of his Father? Does Jesus not have something to say in this part of Mark's Gospel? Something for us? Of course he does. The image of losing our lives isn't only physical. When Scripture speaks about the world in this way, it means the world's way of operating, the system, not the planet. It's not speaking of the created stuff of the world, but that wonderful gift of earthly beauty. But it's also speaking about the way we deal with it and with each other. The word cosmos means orderly arrangement or system. Jesus challenges us to consider where that cosmos came from. God didn't set up our political or economic or social systems. We did. God didn't tell us to look at other people as markets or competitors or enemies. We did that ourselves. What Jesus challenges us to do is to lose that way of thinking, die to it, and take on God's order, God's way, God's kingdom. That is what the kingdom of God means, the operating system of heaven, not of this world. Then the planet becomes our trust from God. Other people become our brothers and sisters. And our goal becomes fostering God's way of operating rather than this world's, rather than business as usual. Jesus was crucified because the religious and political and social establishments Jewish and Roman alike found him to be a threat. Jesus' disciples cannot expect anything different if they are real disciples and not disciples in name only. God forbid that any of us should get hung on a cross to die but many of us may find ourselves looked at strangely sometimes or shut out of the best company or made to feel disrespected and unwelcome 
simply because our values are not the ones everybody, the world, accepts. Our business as disciples of Jesus is to follow him. To follow him, not what everybody does, even the best or the leaders. Peter eventually understood discipleship. And as we know, he paid the ultimate price of that discipleship. Most of us, I hope, will at least come to understand a disciple's connection to Jesus as that young boy, Pi, finally did. I couldn't get Jesus out of my head, he said. Still can't. I spent three solid days thinking about him. The more he bothered me, the less I could forget him. And the more I learned about him, the less I wanted to leave him. If we are his disciples, our goal is not to get ahead, but to get closer to God. Not to be successful, but to be faithful. Not to gain this world's approval, but God's. Amen.